Hey friends, this is the Commute Summer, summer edition. edition. Oh crap. <laughs> we both just really want to yeah. say summer edition. We both do. Alright, let me do this one again. Hey friends, this is the Commute Summer Edition. Summer Edition. Welcome back for another week, Adam. Thank you, thank you. We're recording this a day late. We were not able to stick to our regularly scheduled recording. We schedule. weren't, and I think that that's down to a nine-year-old cow that I think you ate yesterday. But I don't even know if we have time to get down to why you ate a nine-year-old cow. We don't have enough time to digest it. I'm still digesting it. So you're let's, still digesting. Yeah. Okay. So look, a lot has happened in the last week. A lot of things are happening in the Olympics. We're talking a little bit about the Belarusian athlete. We're also talking a little bit about Facebook and we're going to talk a little bit about the silicon chip shortage, which I know isn't necessarily something that happened last week, but I think it's something that's been happening the last couple of weeks and we just wanted to demystify that a bit. So should we get into it? Yeah, lots of buzzwords, chip shortage and metaverse. Yes, let's do it. Last Sunday, there was a lot of hubbub around a Belarusian athlete named Kristina Simanuski. Let me get this name right. Kristina Simanutskaya. That was good. That was yeah, good. it's not bad. Yeah. Not bad, right? Anyway, so what's all this about? She is a Olympic 200-meter runner for Belarus. And on Sunday, she sought uh, essentially diplomatic immunity, or rather she sought immunity uh, and is currently in, at the Polish embassy in Tokyo. Whoa. Yeah. Diplomatic immunity makes me think of that Lethal Weapon movie. I think it was like the first one. Diplomatic immunity. I actually, I think I misspoke. It wasn't diplomatic immunity, but she spoke, she did seek immunity. The reason is she essentially was put into by her Olympic, uh, I guess the Belarusian Olympic team or management, if you will, who decide kind of who runs and what, she was put into the four by 400 meter relay, which she's never run. And so she, because of that, she kind of went on Instagram and said, hey, I've never run the four by 400. These guys are fucking up. And if you're from Belarus, you don't say anyone from the Belarusian administration is fucking up. So what happened was then the Belarus Olympic- so she's she's essentially criticized the Belarusian Belarusian Olympic Committee's decision making. Correct. And so then she got pulled from the four by four hundred, which she hasn't she's never run, fine. But then she also got pulled from her actual event, the two hundred meter. And then on Sunday, she was told by her team officials that she had to get on a plane and head to Minsk. She obviously clearly didn't want to do that. And Minsk is in Belarusia Correct. for those who don't know the geography. Or Belarus, for those who don't know how to say Belarus. <laughs> We're learning a lot today, Ruben. We this are. is great. So she clearly didn't want to do that. And she cited that she was told by the Belarusian officials that once she got to Minsk, she was going to be punished and maybe more. Whoa. Now, it's not something you want to hear from your team when you're getting on the plane to go back home. You only want to hear and maybe more when it's like, hey, let's go back to my place for a nightcap and maybe more. Correct. So what she did was... Uh, and probably a good thing she was training for it. She ran 200 meters and probably a few more meters to the Polish embassy in Tokyo seeking protection. And thankfully, the Polish officials provided what they call as a humanitarian visa. Didn't even know that was a visa type you could get, but a humanitarian visa to stay essentially in Poland. And so they're going to fly her back to Warsaw where she's going to be reunited with her husband. But hey, hang on. I think, and I actually caught some of this. Didn't they try and put her on a plane first? Yeah, yeah. The Polish, uh, sorry, the Belarusian Olympic team tried to put her on a plane and like shepherd her onto a plane. She either was like, then I think she was waiting for them to come get her. 
And in the meantime, she said, I'm going to leg it and legged it to the Polish embassy and said, hey, I need a humanitarian visa because they're going to, they're trying to take me back to Belarus and I don't want to go back to Belarus. Oh my God. So she's going to Poland now? Yeah. So she's safe for the time being. And I say time being because Belarus as a country has a pretty bad track record or maybe good, depending on who you talk to in Belarus, about cracking down on anyone they call a dissident and specifically any sort of dissent they have from their own citizens. Belarus's president's name is Alexander Lukashenko, and he's been the president since 1994, and it's because they got rid of term limits. And he's one of those classic crackdown on my enemies, silence my critics types of presidents. Uh, And so while he's been in power, there's been numerous disappearances and arrests of people who have fallen afoul of his views of what he considers to be Belarusian. Uh, And just the other day, and this is where it gets really crazy, the other day there was a guy, I think this was on Monday or Tuesday, there was a guy called Vitaly Shishov who runs an NGO whose entire job it is is to take dissenters from Belarus to safer shores in the Ukraine. And he lives in the Ukraine. And then on, on Monday they found him dead, hung in a tree in a park in Kiev in the Ukraine, right? What's even crazier and more tragic about this was one of the last things he did was get this Olympic athlete's husband out from Belarus to Poland so he could actually meet Christina when she flies over from Poland from the Polish embassy to to uh, to Poland to Warsaw. Wow, wow, wow! Crazy, right? Yeah, this is shades of like you know. Khashoggi and all this crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I like Lukashenko is a proper mentalist when it comes to like a strong man president. Um, but the good thing is, it looks like she's now going to Warsaw. But yeah, it's crazy. Imagine that. Imagine having to like uh, run away from your own Olympic team. That's um, a hectic. I guess we're not doing any commute episodes live from Belarus anytime soon. <laughs> I was thinking this actually when I put it together. I'm like, I wonder if we're going to get done. <laughs> let's just hope. Let's just hope the Belarusian uh, Secret Service or whatever they've got there doesn't extend to Williamsburg and downtown Manhattan. And podcasts that are listened to by tens of people. Yeah, ima- imagine if the three listeners we have in Ohio are actually sleeper cell Belarusian agents. All right. So tell me about the metaverse. I will. The metaverse buzzword alert. This is a new one. Everyone's been talking about blockchain all year, but something that's been mentioned more and more and more and more and more is the metaverse. Mark Zuckerberg recently announced in an interview with The Verge, he said, I think over the next five years or so in this next chapter of our company, I think we will effectively transition from people seeing us as primarily being a social media company to being a metaverse company. Ding, 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 metaverse. That sounds like something out of the MCU. Yeah. So let's step back a second, right? What is the metaverse and why does Mark Zuckerberg want to be a metaverse company now or Facebook, if you will? It's having a bit of a moment right now that the the word, it was coined in a 90s sci-fi novel called Snow Crash. uh, And basically a metaverse is, it's referring to a physical augmented and virtual reality that's all in a shared online space what does that actually mean while you guys might not have heard of snow crash you've probably heard of ready player one i was gonna ask is this ready player one it's basically ready player one yeah so that's that was a novel by ernest klein which spielberg turned into a movie the book is great the movie's great 
it's it's this online universe where at least for Ready Player One, they live in this online universe with virtual reality headsets and they live their lives within it, right? Basically, what Zuckerberg's now is saying is that that's where he wants to take Facebook, right? And that's going to be a mixture of VR, AR, all these different types of ways you can experience their metaverse, more or less. But uh, uh, to put it another way, Fortnite is effectively a metaverse. Uh, what Roblox does with their games or Roblox, whatever you want to call them. They have like concerts and things, right? Yeah. And you can just hang out in the Fortnite universe if you wanted. Yeah. So Fortnite has actually had musicians and DJs perform live actual concerts within the Fortnite game. I forget who's done it. Maybe Travis Scott or something. But yeah. Right. But this is where we're headed, right? Surely. I, I think it's a great I actually think it's a cool idea. I, I don't like the idea of Facebook being the place because I feel like imagine what social media now is and multiply it by a billion, and that's probably what you end up having when you have this metaverse. But I do like the idea of ready player one style just jumping to a brand new v- universe with no limits. The idea of the metaverse is pretty fascinating and pretty exciting and i'd like to see where it goes i'm not at all excited about what facebook's going to do but i guess the silver lining here is they're not the only people right so apple's trying to get into it from an augmented reality perspective google's working on it i mean microsoft it's less exciting they're trying to talk about the enterprise metaverse which is boring even that's boring yeah boring right Why would you want to live in spreadsheets (laughs) yeah right well I, i do love spreadsheets so maybe i don't know (laughs) <laughs> could, could you imagine what did you do oh, i was on a beach somewhere in a, in a virtual environment what about you i was in a powerpoint slide just laying in a bed of formulas <laughs> <laughs> so specifically for facebook he expects facebook to make the transition within the next five years and for devices like ar glasses and vr headsets to be ready for heavy daily mainstream use by the end of the decade now end of the decade is a very long way away but just the fact that one of the biggest and most powerful tech companies is essentially saying this is going to be our main business model, our main thing we're focusing on is exciting. Uh, if you read what's been written by uh, some of the writers on on the Wired website in the UK, the title of the article gives it all away. Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse already sucks. So Facebook's working on an infinite office that lets users create, I guess, their workplace within VR, right? And this article on the Wired is like, of all the cool stuff you can come up with in the metaverse, your idea is you want to create an office where you're going to work, you know? So you're kind of poo-pooing a little bit. The Facebook thing doesn't excite me, but the fact that everybody's talking about it is interesting. And I think everyone's going to hear metaverse a lot more going forward. I think that's like that seems to be the way the world or the internet at least is going to end up. I'll be interested to see how that all works out. But yeah. I count me in. If it's done well, Ready Player One style, I'm in. Oh, yeah. But you know what you need, though, for uh, – how's this for a segue? You know what you need for a metaverse? Talk to me. You need computer chips. Oh, yeah. And I, I hear that they're hard to come by these days. Right. So, yeah, you may have heard there's a chip shortage. And I'm not talking about the one can of Pringles that you brought every time I asked you to bring snacks. <laughs> what we're talking about is computer chips uh, and more specifically semiconductors, right? So, semiconductors and computer chips, as most people know, are the building blocks of anything electronic. Certainly anything electronic can, that can actually do something. But the reason for that shortage, and the shortage has been around for a couple of months now, is probably not so clear. So the way 
semiconductor chips are made are using a base metal known as silicon. And there are a lot of reasons for this, but to simply, I'm, I'm going to simplify and say that silicon is just is a metal that makes semiconductors work better than other metals. This is a computer chip. This is the brain of your computer, the brain of your iPhone, the brain of your car, all of that. Yeah, and, and silicon is essentially used to create the building blocks of that brain. Silicon actually technically isn't a metal it's a non-metal but it's also it sort of sits in between a metal and a non-metal and it's actually called a metalloid dumb question by the way if you're if there's kids listening that's this is how you pick up girls metalloid speaking of girls is the silicon that goes in chips at all related to the silicon that goes inside of breasts uh no, I don't think so. I actually need to. I, I, I'll get back to you on that one. You didn't do your research, Ruby. I didn't do my. Well, no. I, this is this story isn't about augmented breasts. <laughs> All right, I talk to me about silicon in chips. That's what the metaverse is: augmented <laughs> breasts. This is not that. So, chips are made from these metals, right? And there's usually actually not a short. There's actually not a shortage of silicon. There's plenty of silicon out there. It's it's, it's available in, in so many minerals. That's not the reason you have a shortage. The main reason is that. There's actually only, and I didn't know this, but there's only a few in the world, a few major, what they call supermassive chip manufacturing plants. Uh, And most of them are in Asia Pacific. And these are like the guys that take the silicon and create the chips. And basically when the pandemic happened, all these plants shut down in the same at the same time and in the same way most of the businesses did right because they had to but people still had to stay at home and what they said was well the, the, the plants have to shut down but it's fine because everyone else is shutting down so the demand's not going to go anywhere problem was that when the coronavirus pandemic hit and everyone shut down what did we all do we were all at home and everyone got on zoom and everyone got computers and everyone got laptops and all of a sudden the demand for Laptops, iPads, phones, computers, anything that had a chip in it went sky high. So all of a sudden, we had a lot of demand, but the chip factories were only at like half or a quarter capacity. Now, what's interesting is car manufacturers, which actually use a lot of chips, they at the start of the pandemic thought, well, no one's going to buy cars because it's the pandemic and everyone's going to go into lockdown. So they basically canceled all of their orders for chips because they assumed that there would be no demand for cars. Those idiots. Exactly. And so what happened was all these chip manufacturers said, all right, we're going to cancel your orders and we'll reallocate all of them to the Dells and the Apples and whomever to essentially make more iPads and more iPhones and more computers. The problem was the demand kind of did drop for cars for about a month and a half. Then all of a sudden the demand for cars skyrocketed because all of a sudden everyone was getting in their cars and driving far far off places. And as a result, the car manufacturers said, crap, we have to make a ton more cars now. And they went back to these chip manufacturers and said, by the way, we need all our chips now. And they've just gone, where were you when I needed you a year ago? Yeah. The chip manufacturers have basically said, sorry, we're at a quarter or a half capacity and we've given up all of our excess capacity to all these other places that actually need it. So- all the car manufacturers basically had to put all of their and, and a, a, by the way, a single car can have something like fifteen thousand chips in it. What? Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Is like you have a handful of chips in a computer, but like surely that's all. No, a car mate. Has a, like yeah. it can have that because when you think chips, you think like a big chip. No, like every little tiny thing is made up of multiple. Like it's thousands of chips, right? Mm. And it's so it's thousands of. Uh, man hours and capacity and stuff that's been taken up so that's what i didn't realize is that 
cars literally have boatloads of chips in them or carloads of chips, you might say. Exactly. Yeah. So carloads of them. Yeah. So I'm going to try use that as my excuse soon when I don't have a thing ready when it was asked on time was, like, oh, we missed our quarterly guidance because of the chip shortage. It's impacting everything. Yeah, exactly. It's in- impacting the Excel that I couldn't put together. Yeah. I couldn't possibly Venmo you back that money for poker, Rubes, because there's a chip shortage and Venmo's <laughs> down. So I guess the effect of the shortage is, and the reason why actually, if you're asking why car prices have gone up, the reason car prices have gone up is because, not because people can't manufacture cars. They can manufacture cars, but a lot of the car manufacturers now have got a lot of cars sitting unfinished in lots, thousands of them unfinished because what they need is the chips to put in and they haven't got their chips yet. So there's tons of cars that are sitting actually in in manufacturer lots that have done everything on the car except the chips that have to go in and they're just sitting there waiting. And that's the reason why you have a massive shortage at your car dealer and why car prices have started going up. Are there any other industries that are impacted by this? Yeah, as all, bad as cars. Tons, tons. Tons. Like, th- like a lot of them got to the front of the queue. So when they reallocated the sh- chips from the cars to computers and iPhones, they, w- they were still affected, but not as badly affected. But then you have tons of other ones that were. So the view is that these are going to like a lot of these plants. There was also a massive fire in one of the big supermassive plants in Japan, which also further stuffed things up. I like that they're called supermassive. That's pretty cool. So the view is that these plants are going to catch up and that by the end of the year, we should normalize. But like, it just goes to show you, right, how reliant we are on silicon and all it takes is one little disruption and there you go. Your car prices have gone through the roof. Yeah. Well, lucky for me, I have two iPhones, two laptops, an iPad, a PS, whatever. I'm good. I got all the chips I need. What a gluttonous consumer you are. Rubes, talk to me about summer. What's your summer loving for the week? Have you grilled fruit before? I love to grill pineapple. Okay, so I worked this out last summer and I'm really going hard on it this summer. For those listening, get some fruit, put it on a barbecue or even a pan and grill it. And I'll tell you the two fruits you want to do, mango and peaches. Ooh, peaches. Put those and just let let it caramelize the hell out of itself and then get some vanilla ice cream and eat it. It is quite literally summer in a bowl and it'll brighten up your day. Remember that song Peaches and Cream by 112? Yeah. I don't think that was about grilling peaches. Maybe this summer it is, man. Peaches and I think Cream. That's, I, I think that's got something to do with augmented breasts as well. I'm not going to sing this song, but I'm dancing like it's in my <laughs> head right now. Ruben, enjoy your peaches and cream. Mate, you know enjoy. I mean? You, you dance, dance away as we wrap up this uh, this week. Enjoy the uh, the rest of the week, mate. It's been a busy one. We'll be back next week. Thanks, mate.